Now, Australian rock royalty Magic Dirt are playing a run of shows in May as part of the Spring Loaded Festival, which for the first time this year is going national, kicking off in Sydney on May the 8th. Now, it's no secret that I've been a huge Dirt fan since my teenage years, so 15-year-old Brad is probably about to vomit with excitement that Adelita and Raul of Magic Dirt are joining me via Zoom now. Now, it's a pleasure being able to speak with you both. Um, How are you guys going? Hey, Brad. Good, thanks. Very good, good, Brad. Very good. Now, tell me, um, I guess we'll start with uh, you, Adelita. How are you feeling in the lead up to Spring Loaded kicking off in Sydney? Yeah, I can't wait. Um, it's been, um, you know, we had the shows booked in last year, so they got um, postponed and then moved a couple of times. So we're finally here and, um, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be unreal. Yeah, really, really, really looking forward <laughs> to it. And I've got to say the lineup, um, I guess it's kind of reminiscent of the uh, big day out shows or home bake. Um, you're in good company. Mm, I know. There's so many, so many of our mates uh, will be there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. Tumbleweed, Screen Feeder, bands I really, really want to see. Um, you know, my Grinners, Jebbies, Frenzel, so many. Meanies, my God. It's unreal. It's <laughs> like a, yeah, all star lineup. <laughs> All Star Nineties lineup, mate. It's like a it's like a school reunion from the nineties. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's really good, and everyone's you know everyone's so much fun. There's a, and and witty. There's a lot of very funny witty people in all of those bands. So you know they make us laugh backstage. It's great. <laughs> Um, I guess we'll talk about the set that we can expect from you guys with Spring Loaded. Uh, Magic Dirt is such a long and varied catalogue of music from almost the last 30 years, it feels. Now, I guess how do you choose what to include in these live sets for for shows such as this? Yeah, Mm. we definitely talk about that in rehearsal. Hey, Rao, it's it's been fun trying to work out the set list. That's right. There's many twos and twoing and froing. Let's do that. Uh, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Too many good songs almost. Yeah, there, there is a lot. There is a lot and that was kind of the problem is like picking, well, which ones do we go out with? I mean, there's some no-brainers and like sort of the, you know, the big pop type hits or whatever. So it's always good to put those in in a festival set. You know, you want to play the songs that people know and they can dance to. So we've got a lot of those, the familiar ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, just picking, yeah, just picking some more like um, stuff off the earlier EPs. You know, we we played a few of those um, a couple of years ago when we reunited. But um, we've got a couple of, yeah, we've refreshed the set. So we've thrown in a couple of old, new, new old ones. So, yeah, and that's always fun for us because, you know, we get tired of playing the same thing. So um, it'll be good to play some ones we haven't played for a while. So, yeah, that'll be great. Now, I guess as you guys uh, both played Big Day Out and Home Bake and Spring Loaded is kind of in that that vein, uh, what do you think it is about harking back to that era, 90s era of Australian music and that festival culture that, that is so appealing? Um, I guess because the the... the rock music that was around of that time is so uh, I guess a lot of people were young back then of our generation and the music was so ingrained into just awesome rockness that uh is that a word um sure (laughs) it is now (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, people, I guess the, the music was just really good back then in my ears, but um, yeah, it's reminiscent, yeah. It's reminiscent in a sense. Yeah, and, you know, that time back then I was talking to a, a someone the other day about the 90s and, I mean, that was our time of growing up. That was our 20s. That, that was our, mm. you know, crazy years. So, And it also happened to coincide with one of the great music movements, you know, uh, you know, great music movement decades ever. So, yeah, it was just like such a such a great time for music, and the music was very energetic, and there was it was really passionate, and there was lots of like you know angst and lots of um, you know um, it was very rock and very loud and very you know um, inspiring, I guess, and and I think that that stays with people, and so they come along and they relive those that feeling and it hasn't really gone away for me you know i'm i'm very much a 90s person uh still <laughs> you know i remember that time well so i think yeah people just yeah it was a great era great era and and people and even the young, there's young kids today that are in bands that love the 90s like that's their thing they love it and and they'll you know there'll be kid, young kids there as well yeah, not as many as the great, old kids, but there'll be young kids there. <laughs> great era for um, Australian music as well. Such such a bunch of great Australian bands, I think. Yeah, 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 and, and that's why we had things like Home Bacon Livid, you know, because there were so many great Australian bands, you know. And um, it's it's a real it's a it's a real um, it's just amazing. It's a real privilege privilege just to be doing this, like to have nineties themed festivals, you know that. They do remind me of home bacon, livid, and things like that. It, it feels like that, and um, but it's great to be able to have still an audience for that, and you know, pe- you know, people are craving it, and that feels. I'm so bloody grateful. It's awesome. Like we all are. Yeah. We feel very lucky. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But you know, great music too. Like Raoul said, just great music, great songs, like real classic iconic songs and um that doesn't go away and and it still activates that excitement it reactivates it you know it might have been dormant but it reactivates it it's always there Mm. it's amazing when i look back at footage as well um you know the stuff that was uh, put on channel v and and people inevitably upload it to, to YouTube and stuff. It's amazing looking at just the size of the festival and just how many bloody people there were at these shows. It's phenomenal to, to think about nowadays considering, I guess, the current climate. How was it as, you know, 20-somethings playing in front of audiences that size? How the hell do you get that much <laughs> confidence, Adelita? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You don't. I've never been a confident person. I just go out there and just... I'm scared for the first five minutes and then the rest of it I'm like, okay, we'll just go for it, mate. Just <laughs> rock out. And you've got your band with you so you, you you bond over that and you've got that support so you're all in it and being in a band is great for that reason, isn't it, Raoul? Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and having having the music, you know, the, the music is like the, the, uh, the thing that carries you along and you just let it, you just let it carry you. And you, you know, go for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of your armor and your shield. Yeah. Or, and or, but also, it, it it's the actual thing you're doing that people are coming to see. So we knew we our music was good, and um, so yeah, and we 
we were we were a good live band so we felt yeah I guess there was that sorry there was that confidence definitely as a group that we, we were just on fire so we knew what we were doing and it was it was easy for us like because we rehearsed so much but we were a pretty well-oiled machine you know for a very long time from pretty much from the get-go you know but well into the 90s and the the 2000s we were a well-oiled machine so yeah Rao's right you just get out there and the music carries you along but it it is nerve-wracking like but I think we grew up like with the crowds progressively getting bigger so we weren't just thrown in the deep end like we got accustomed to it so, but the big day out, definitely you walk in front of like thousands and thousands of people. It's kind of desensitizing in a way. You, you're sort of playing to the first five rows. And then from beyond that, everything's just a blur <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> but um, mm. it's electrifying, definitely a thrill. Yeah. 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 Have, having said all that, I remember the first time I played with Magic Dirt in front of more than, you know, 800, 1,000 people. And I walked out onto the stage, it was supporting Silverchair. And I threw up instantly. <laughs> the, this, this, the energy just hit me and uh, I just rushed back and threw up behind my amp and then came back on and played. So yeah. the energy is, is brutal. It's it's very intense. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. What, what does that do to a 20-something-year-old? How does that shape you growing up, having, oh, I don't know, thousands of people just adore what you're doing and and loving <laughs> your craft? Yeah. Um, I think you have to, you have to try and, um, you know, stay humble <laughs> as much <laughs> as you can. Um, otherwise, yeah, you're right. It'll fucking make you into an egomaniac, but you know, you, you get that buzz and with me, I just, it's just something that's never left me where you want to keep getting that buzz and keep playing. Um, but yeah, that whole thing of people loving you and stuff. Yeah. I think it's important to try and stay grounded with friends, um, and family and yeah, not get too carried away with that, with that side. Yeah. And I think we're as a, as people, um, magic dirt, we're pretty down to earth uh, as a lot of, as pretty much all all the nineties crew, everyone was pretty down to earth and, you know, pretty grounded and didn't really have, you know, huge airs and shit like that. So, you know, we, we just loved having fans' attention and we loved that they loved our music, but we were always saying g'day after shows and signing things and taking photos and just, just talking like people, you know, just people to people. So, you know, always treated everyone exactly the same you know, and it, we didn't we didn't have massive egos in in the dirt. We, yeah. we, we we were just there for the music, and um, you know, so we didn't really get affected in a negative way by that. You know, um, we just kind of took it in our stride and enjoyed the moment because at any minute that's it can turn on a dime. You know, fame, fortune can turn on the dime, yeah. and <laughs> you just don't know what's going to happen. I also think that um, Australian audiences. Um, don't really, uh, you know, have much time for that shit anyway. They're always yeah. there to like, you know, don't think you're too good, mate. They'll... <laughs> <laughs> Which is really good. I like that. No, we don't like a wanker. Yeah. No, that's no, right. No, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. 
I guess um, one thing that Spring Loaded will have that Big Day Out or Home Bake um, or Livid ne- ne- didn't necessarily have is the uh, mobile phone and the fast internet situation. So <sighs> I know I know this is a bit of a stupid question, but how do you think uh, that kind of technology has changed the live show or festival scene or the vibe? Has it changed at all or is it is it very much the same thing? It's just catalogued more. Yeah, it's definitely catalogued more. <laughs> it's like you, you can't you, you can't make mistakes anymore because it'll be all over the internet. <laughs> you can't you can't go to the freaking local karaoke bar on your night off and get completely off chops and sing, you know, Jolene <laughs> at the top of your lungs without it being on freaking YouTube. Like that's the bit I hate. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah, I don't know. It's changed. Definitely everything's changed so much. Like everything to me just seems so much faster and faster paced and so hectic now, so Mm. hectic for everybody. So back in the day everything was way slower and just, yeah, that's the thing I noticed the most about our digital age. Yeah. But I do like the cataloging more because I wish back in the 90s there had been way more video footage and photos of the 90s, you know, especially the underground 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) You got a point, (laughs) Ralph. Mystery. Mystery. The mystery and awe of it all. Uh, now, post right. post COVID, how do you think um, you'll go performing to such large crowds? You guys obviously um, reside in Victoria, so you had a first hand experience of the the lockdowns and the COVID situation. I'm sure. Um, do you have to ease yourself back into playing these shows um, now that we're in a kind of post COVID world? No easing. Nah. Just go for it. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a little nerve wracking knowing that things can change. And, you know, a part of touring is making so many plans and everything has to happen in a certain order. So it is nerve wracking in the organizing sense, but the the performing and the playing and the, you know, it either happens or it doesn't. So you kind of, you just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of, yeah. I, I try not to think about that side of yeah. things too much. I just like get on and do your thing and it's just like, yeah. Like I did a gig the other day for the first time in over a year. I did the Rolling Stones tribute show up in Queensland and it just felt like getting back on the bike. It was beautiful. It was like because you would have thought, yeah, I might be, you know, extra nervous or this is this going to be awkward socially and artistically, but it wasn't. It was the opposite. It was like, oh, yeah. It's just like the old days when we used to gig and everyone's having even more of a good time. So I expect something like that when we do these spring-loaded shows too, that it's going to be even better. Yeah. And how do you think the perception um, of music has changed in people's lives now that we've been through a pandemic and everyone's been locked up in their homes. Do you think that people perhaps um, have a different point of view of their, the role of music in their lives because of that? I think so. I, yeah, I just, um, yeah, I played in Bendigo on the weekend and, um, and I've played a few shows since the lockdown and definitely people appreciate it and people are very aware now that it's something that can be taken away and that, you know, shouldn't be taken for granted. Um, 
so yeah every time people go out and see a live band it's made it more real to them that it's something special and it's something that you know is a, is a one off so i think yeah. people really appreciate it and they understand how much joy it brings to their life i've you know people have told me so definitely yeah and as a side note i've noticed just in my travels and just something i'm picking up on is that places like restaurants and cafes and whatever they're employing more um, musicians just to do little live sets in their space as part of their business. Yeah, so, like, I think that people, so that really shows that at every level people are missing music and really needing to incorporate it, incorporate it even more into our lives. And, um, yeah, so, you know. Everywhere from someone doing covers in the corner of a cafe, which I'm cool with, I appreciate that, to doing, you know, alt rock stuff that we're doing. Like, it's cool by me. Like, mm. it's good. I agree. Yeah, people really, yeah, definitely highlighted how important music is. And, yeah, I think there was a big hole. It's a big hole when there was no music. Yeah. Yeah, I know the live scene is certainly still getting back on its feet uh, here in Australia. And you're right, I, I have noticed as well that a lot of local establishments are now integrating live music into, I guess, their repertoire throughout the week um, for, for mm. customers' enjoyment, which is amazing. But alongside mm. that, there's also, I guess, that opens up a, a can of worms as well as to, you know, establishments who never used to have live music now discovering, um, I guess, the appropriate remuneration for artists as well yeah. and understanding how to balance that and how to approach an artist and understand, you know, they need to be paid a proper wage as well. Yeah. I think a discussion is always good, like a chat, because you can have a sliding scale like in these times and always with musicians. That's the thing. When COVID hit, musicians were like, Peh, we've been doing this for years, <laughs> living a roller coaster ride. It doesn't mean it's easy or gets easier, but but people that weren't used to it were like freaking out, completely freaking out. But we had that little bit of like um, experience in in that realm, and you know, I think in these times, as always, but even more so now. What I'm trying to say is even more so now. I think a sliding scale for a fee is probably a good idea because you you want to sort of adapt to whatever establishment it is. You know, maybe they'll pay a thousand but maybe that other one's a smaller venue, but they're really passionate and they really treat their artists well and they can only pay you 200 Whatever, I think that's how I would do it. I'd just sort of be within reason. I'd be like, okay, what can we do here? What you got? Yeah. Now, 2020 saw Magic Dirt celebrate 20 years of what a rock star is doing today, which is pretty crazy to think that 20 years uh, has mm -hmm. passed already. <laughs> Tell us about what that album did for Magic Dirt and uh, your careers specifically, because it was um, a pretty huge album. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the, um, <clears throat> I kind of see it as the second uh, or third wave of, of the band's popularity. Um yeah, we took off after that in the more more so in the kind of a mainstream not not mainstream mainstream but you know <clears throat> um it was very important it was huge. Yeah. Well, we yeah, I mean we were nominated for Arias after that. 
or maybe, I don't know, yeah, I think at that point we were nominated for quite a few arias and we were suddenly, yeah, more, way more in the spotlight and became somewhat of a, a name in the press and um, recognised and, yeah, as Raoul said, in the mainstream, um, not the super hyper mainstream, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Dirty Jeans, the single off that record was our hugest Probably one of, or if not the hugest song for us. Yeah, I mean, it was, it got into the, I think it got into the ARIA charts, I think, I think. But it made yeah. a lot of charts, yeah, and, yeah, it was very successful. So, yeah, that album was a real turning point, as Raoul said, the sort of second wave of popularity for the band. And, you know, we thought we were, we thought we might be finished prior to that album. We were at a crossroads, and, um, but then we decided to keep going. And that was the result of that decision. Um, so, yeah, I mean, without that album, we wouldn't be here today. That popularity really gave us um, entry into a lot of regional areas and places that we mm. couldn't play before, which was so good. And it, you know, gave us the longevity to <clears throat> stay, stay, keep touring for many years. Oh, well, it was a gamble, like I said, like, you know, musicians take many risks and Dirty Jeans was a real gamble because it was very opposite to all the heavy, dark rock stuff we were doing, although what of Rock Stars is still rock, you know, but it's more polished and it has a lot more poppier, hookier, melodic elements. But Dirty Jeans was a, yeah, just this labour of love that was a bit of a gamble and it, but it paid off, not that we expected it to, but we just put, we just put these songs out and then it just happened. So it's, it was very much a roll of the dice, but, yeah, it's amazing how that all happened. And like Raoul said, got very high rotation on Triple J, which allowed us those regional tours, you know, your Channel Vs, your more big day outs. It was, it was huge for us, like massive, yeah. I love the music video for it as well. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of hilarious, actually, considering you guys are so alt-rock and uh, you do have that that heavier side of you, but um, it looked like you were having a lot of fun in uh, the Dirty Jeans video. Yeah. We were. I think, we were. I think, I think the video kind of um, shows how <clears throat> there was a definite tongue-in-cheek to even the song. Um, and the way we produced it, how we were just having, yeah, as you said, we were, we were having fun with with the music and with the way we were, we could present ourselves, um, you know, as a band. It was definitely heaps of fun. Well, Adelita and Raul, it's been an absolute pleasure being able to pick your brains today. Uh, congratulations on what other rock stars doing today, um, celebrating 20 years, and also good luck for the run of shows that you have as part of Spring Loaded Festival. You can find all the details on our website. Adelita and Raul, thanks for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, thanks, Brad. Bye. You're on the Music Weekly. If you want to follow up on that interview with Magic Dirt, you can find it on our website. Go to energy-groove.com. Let's hear Dirty Jeans, the lead single from their third album, What Are The Rock Stars Doing Today, released in the year 2000. This is Magic Dirt, Dirty Jeans. You're an ordinary boy and that's the way I like you. On a train in the corner with a mind-numbing Taking that.
Christmas.